It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. I know I did. And uh, happy to have you guys with us this afternoon, making us a part of your day. And we've got some great guests lined up for you. Big show today. And uh, boy, do we have a lot to get to. So you might have heard of this guy. I think most of the listeners out there know him as the QAnon Shaman. Recently getting out of jail, he was the first person who was indicted for January 6th. His name is Jacob Chansley, and he's now running for office. He's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. I know it's going to be a very interesting interview. Uh, So he'll be joining us here in just a few. And uh, a lot of other uh, interesting stories to get to, a lot from a sports perspective. Of course, we have the NBA midseason tournament, uh, which is uh, the quarterfinals, by the way, are today and tomorrow. And that actual tournament is in Vegas on Thursday, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We got Chris Wynn joining us in studio hour two. UNLV football, uh, disappointing loss against Boise, but I told you guys all week last week that I expected Boise State to win this game and win by double digits. They're just a better football team, all due respect to UNLV. And we've also learned where the UNLV football team will be playing their bowl game. It's going to be in Arizona, and they're going to be playing the Jayhawks. Paul McKeskey's team, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, so uh, we will be talking a little bit about that. UNLV football. The Raiders had a bye week. And uh, we had the Pac-12 championship game that was here in Las Vegas. Boy, was that a fun one. Oh, man, was that a fun game to watch. Uh, UW getting it done. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Man, there's so much to get to. And you, I wouldn't even call it controversy. I would just call it just the NFL once again failing the fans failing the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, pure incompetence, and where's the accountability? Multiple officials yesterday cheated the Kansas City Chiefs on a number of different no-calls at the end of the game. Egregious. It's hard for me to compare it to another sport, but let's just say there's five or six seconds left to go in a basketball game, and the team that's down by one has the ball, and a defender takes that person's head off and clotheslines that person, and the ref doesn't call a foul. That's the best analogy I can make to what happened last night. And we've seen this way too many times. And then we hear the excuse, well, if it's a Hail Mary pass, and by the way, I wasn't even talking about the Hail Mary pass. I'm talking about the play before. Even the Hail Mary pass, okay, Travis Kelsey got pushed by two hands in the back. So that should have been a flag as well. Um It's my frustrations with the NFL time and time again where the officiating is so inconsistent. Listen, I get it. Refs are going to miss calls. Could be in college basketball, in the NBA. It could be in the NFL. You know, it could be anywhere. It could be Major League Baseball, balls and strikes. Um, We're all human beings and we're going to make mistakes. But when you're a professional, and in this case, okay, in this case, you have... NFL officials that are making a lot of money. I actually know one of them. He wasn't working the game last night. I know one NFL official very well. 
And he makes a lot of money. He lives here in Las Vegas. He can't walk, really walk into a casino. Can't go anywhere near a sports book. There are very strict rules. I wish they were that strict when it comes to refs blowing games. Because that's exactly what took place yesterday. I just thought it was an abomination, a disappointment, an embarrassment. Call it what you want. But the end of that Kansas City Chiefs game last night was a joke. I'm not saying the Chiefs would have won the game, but you would have had the ball first and goal at the three-yard line, so it really changes everything. As far as the UNLV football game goes, um, UNLV had, I'm going to call it a disappointing loss just by the way they lost. They got blown out by Boise State. Boise State is a very good football team. They've got the Offensive Player of the Year who's going to be playing on Sundays. They have a quarterback that is really, really efficient and really, really good. Boise State fans traveled well. The issue I have is that there are people that I've been bickering and fighting with on social media, which is, by the way, a waste of my time, uh, that are saying that there were over 20,000 UNLV fans there. And I'm telling you right now, I can see with my own eyes, there were not 20,000 UNLV fans there, maybe 10 to 15. That's not enough. And the, the, the lack of support from fans, um, was embarrassing from a UNLV perspective. And, um, you know, I think it was, uh, I think it was sad. Uh, a lot of Boise State fans were out there. Not a lot of, or at least enough of UNLV fans out there. Now, I haven't really given out the call-in number. But I'll try to squeeze these in real quickly because I I love my listeners, right? Why don't we go with Robert first? Uh, Robert has called into pushing limits. What's up, Robert? Hey, what's up, Brian? How you doing? Hey, I never hear anybody talk about this referee thing. Yeah. Um, that they're intentionally making bad calls. Yeah. Because of their own agenda. Could be. No, nobody ever says that. Robert could be. I've Robert could be. I've talked about this before. You might be right. I'm not going to sit here and say that these refs weren't on the take. Some of them could have been. I'm not even talking about one certain game. Right. It's been happening since the 2006 Super Bowl. I'm not going to deny it. Steelers and uh, Seahawks. Robert, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not happening. I'm not one of those people. I think it could there's be. Grid, there's grudges. There's people you don't like. Listen, a guy that I know pretty well, he's done this show before. His name's Tim Dennehy. If you recall, he was the former NBA yeah, referee. I know, I know what you're talking about. Tim basketball. Dennehy has done this show before, and he was on the take. And, and I shouldn't say on the take, but he got involved with the wrong people, and he was fixing games. I don't care what he or anyone else says. He was fixing games. You cannot tell me, Robert, at the end of that game yesterday. But the agenda could be betting. The agenda could be his wager. It could be a grudge against a player who said F you to him. You are absolutely correct. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. I agree. Robert, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Here's my problem. What is the NFL going to do about it? Whatever the situation is. They don't have to answer to anybody. Well, there's the problem. There's the problem. They have to... uh, Bill Belichick has to hold a new news conference. He hates it. Right. No referee has to do a press conference. Uh, it's, Major League, it's like a secret society. This is there. where Major League Baseball has it right. Because if you recall, in Major League Baseball, those umpires do talk to the media when there's a controversy. And usually they apologize when they get it wrong. What I want to see, it wasn't one official, by the way. Several officials should have made that call. They both were in the area. I don't even know what call you're talking about, bro. 
Uh, the end of the game last night. The end of the game last night. The end of the game. I think you're a smart dude. I appreciate that, uh, Robert. The end of the game last night. I don't know if you caught it. Kansas City Chiefs uh, were playing last night against uh, the Green Bay Packers, and there were two no calls. Guy pretty much got clotheslined at the end of the game, and then Travis Kelsey gets pushed two hands in the back. They blow both of those calls. Not one person. They won't rerun that because I watched all the high- all they do is watch highlights. Right. They did not run these highlights. Well, I got to um, tell you, Steelers, right. there was the Steelers game, yep. T.J. Uh, uh, Watt was held uh, blatantly, and they didn't show that on um, SportsCenter. So SportsCenter get the, gets the word that we cannot talk about the referee. Well, I'll give, I'll, I will give the Sunday Night Football crew credit because Chris Collinsworth said it multiple times that the refs missed calls, and they had one of their officials experts on who also agreed, and they showed the play. So I will give the Sunday night. So, okay, let's, we'll, okay, with the Chiefs game, I yeah. can rewatch. I can watch. Yeah. You'll see what I'm so talking what, about. What quarter Robert. was it? Uh, it was the last ten to twenty seconds of the game. So here's what oh, I want okay. you. So Robert, here's yeah, what I, I find it. here's what I want you to do, Robert. I want you to watch the final couple minutes of that football game, and I want you to call me back tomorrow and let me know what you think. Deal. Yeah, you're on for three hours or two hours? Unfortunately, two hours. Uh, only two hours. Fortunately for some people. Bye, yes. Brian. All right. Thanks, Robert. Take I, it easy, bro. I appreciate Bye. the call, my friend. 702-221-7283. Let's go to Mo. Big Mo. Is that Big Mo? What's up, brother? Paul McKeskey. What's going on, my friend? Not much. You know I was at, uh, in, a, in a quandrum last, last night because my Packers and Chiefs were playing. Yes. And... I wanted I wanted the Chiefs to win in my heart, but at the same time, the Chiefs lose. They're still in the championship for their division, and the Packers still have a shot. But man, that one call—not the one in the end zone, the one before that—was so bad. And you know, I, I've dealt with refs before. You know that, and, and 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 you know. But I think more than betting, I think it's remember they called the wrong call. On uh, on uh, uh, roughing the quarterback when he was still in bounds. Yes, and I think something like he's over. It's a call, you know. Yeah, I I think there could be multiple reasons why, but I think we all could agree it's inexcusable. That would be like clotheslining somebody at the end of a game when they're trying to shoot the basketball. I mean, that's a call that you have to make, and I just think it's an embarrassment to the NFL. It's an embarrassment to the league, and you have to hold those officials accountable. Uh, you know, officials are going to miss calls. You can't miss that one when it's that blatantly obvious, and there's shenanigans going on, in my opinion. Yeah, and, I, yeah, and the guy was right there. Right. And right there. He, he rode his back. I, it was a clothesline. It was a wrestling move, you know, and it's, it's, it's so egregious that they missed it, and um, it's unfortunate, it's sad, and uh, there has to be accountability. And there definitely, I agree. There's definitely personal issues getting in the way. I think less with NFL, but a lot with the NBA. I mean, you know, LeBron got kicked out arguing with the with the coach the other day, and you know these guys are, you know, there is some personal issues going on with referees that have to ref these games over and over and over again against the same guys. No, no question, but there ha- there has to be accountability. That's that's what I'm talking about. There yeah. absolutely has to be yeah. accountability, and that's what worries me um, yeah. because I don't think there's going to be accountability here. Now, maybe those officials don't get playoff games. I don't know how that works. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I agree with you. And, by the way, I-, I would be lying to you if I said good luck to your Kansas 
uh, Jayhawks. But uh, uh, in the bowl game, well, we will we will see you later in the week, my friend. I appreciate you ca- calling in, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you later in the week, Paul McKeskey. Thank you so much. Rock shock Jayhawks. <laughs> All right, Mo. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. Love you too. Thanks, Mo. Paul McKeskey, eleven-year NBA veteran, calling into the show. All right, we're going to switch topics now. So. A lot of my listeners are probably be very familiar with the guy that is joining us on the line right now. Many of you probably know him as the QAnon Shaman. His name is Jacob Chansley. Jacob was the first person indicted for the January 6th insurrection. He's owned what he did. He got out of jail. He did his time. And now he's running as a libertarian for the 8th Congressional District out of Arizona. So I appreciate uh, Jake taking the time to join us. Jake, Jake, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'd like to say for the record, nobody's been charged with insurrection. If you want to see an insurrection, look at what happened in Afghanistan during the Bosch withdrawal. That's an insurrection. We can definitely talk about that. There were some people that were charged with sedition, uh, and some people would characterize it as an insurrection. Some people wouldn't. We could definitely get to that. Let me start by asking you this. You've already answered the question of, do you regret what you did? Do you own what you did? I'm not going to ask that question all over again because you've already answered that, and I appreciate your answer. But let me ask you this. If someone asked you, why were you there to begin with, what would be your response to that? I've answered that question a lot as well. Spiritual reasons, because Washington, D.C. is built on ley lines. Those are electromagnetic lines where pyramids, obelisks, ancient temples, medicine wheels are built. It's where it's why we have an obelisk in D.C., the Capitol building, the White House, the Supreme Court, the Lincoln Memorial, Jefferson Memorial. They're all built on ley lines. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's going to be a million people on the ley lines, then I'm going to be there as a shamanic practitioner to ensure that the highest possible frequencies of love, peace and harmony are put into the grid. Also, um, because there has been a long string of abuses that this federal government has perpetrated on us Americans. And it stretches all the way back to 1913, the Federal Reserve. It stretches all the way back to things like allowing Pearl Harbor to happen, um, the assassination of JFK and the cover-up that ensued, the massive amounts of corruption and the moving of our public tax dollars into the private hands of oligarchs and to international corporations and banking cartels. Then there's things like, you know, Waco, Texas, Mm -hmm. uh, Oklahoma City, 9-11, the Vegas shooting, the 33,000 emails that were deleted and no prosecution, uh, Benghazi, no prosecution, the WikiLeaks emails from John Podesta. Then there's also things like the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax for four years that they never you know, retracted. It was now clearly known to be a hoax and all generated by the Clinton. Well, uh, let's go uh, one at a time. Let's go one at a time. And this is the beauty, right, uh, Jake, of doing an interview like this, uh, uh, you know, instead of doing like a five minute TV interview. We have time to talk about these issues. OK, so you mentioned a lot. Let's start with the Vegas shooting. Uh, and then we'll get back to January 6th. And then I want to talk about your candidacy because you're running for office. Um, what about the Vegas shooting, uh, that's, you know, that you think, you know, did or didn't happen? Because my understanding is that there was one person responsible for that. And that was the shooter who took his own life. Yeah, that's the narrative that they say. But when you talk to people that were on the ground, that's not the story. And a lot of those people that came out and started talking about what actually happened and what they saw and what they experienced ended up dead. So 
you know, it's kind of funny how that happens and how it's happened over and over again, especially with people like Gary Webb, who blew the whistle on the CIA trafficking tons of cocaine into the country, or, you know, people like Bill Cooper, or, you know, even people like Martin Luther King Jr. that stand up and speak truth to power. All of them end up dead somehow for some reason. So, you know, well, that's um, because a madman, you know, a racist madman decided to assassinate Martin Luther King. I don't I don't think that had anything to do with the government in that situation. But let's go back to, you know, well, let me start by saying this. I I agree with a lot of your platform, right? You've talked about this and I did a lot of research on you as a libertarian. Um, you, you want term limits. I'm with you 100 percent on that. You want single bill voting. I'm with you 100 percent on that. And a lot of the things you've talked about. Where I hesitate and I'm like, okay, that's that's different, or I could use other terms, is when you talk about, say, the Vegas shooting. It's been investigated. One person was responsible. There's no evidence that anybody else was responsible for it. Now, you might find a few people that disagreed with it, but there's no evidence to support the fact that there was a second shooter or the FBI was involved. And when some people would, I think some people would label that as a conspiracy theory. I know you're a smart guy. You're well-spoken. And I agree with you on a lot of issues. But when you say, you know, the Vegas shooting and some of these other things, I become hesitant. Where am I wrong? Well, do you trust the government? Do I always trust the government? No, but that doesn't mean I think the the October 1 shooting was the government's fault. It was a crazy lunatic who lived 45 minutes from Vegas who bought a bunch of guns. It's been proven that he was trying to come up with other areas of killing a bunch of innocent people. He shot himself in that room, and there's no evidence to support the fact that anybody else was involved besides him. That's why I well, – yeah, go ahead. Well, hold on. Let me ask you this. Do you think that uh, somehow, miraculously, one of the terrorists from 9-11, that their passport miraculously survived the, uh, the, the tragic events of that day and just so happened to find its way onto the, the ground? Okay, so that's a different topic. If you want to talk well, about... No, no, I'm just... Uh, the, what I, but the point I'm getting at, dude, and we can derail on this if you want, but I don't trust the government. Neither I've do I. Cover up the- well, I've seen cover up after 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 cover up. And if you look in Operation Northwoods, which Kennedy said no to, okay, which is where the CIA wanted to target hotels in Florida and do a terrorist attack and blame Cuba so they could have an excuse to go and invade Cuba. If you look at that and you realize that there is a track record of government abuses, this goes back to my reasons for going not just on January 6th, but also on December Mm -hmm. 12th, when everything was actually peaceful. I expected more of the same on January 6th. Um, Then you'll see why it is. And I didn't even get a chance to start delineating things like, you know, the like I said, the Russia hoax for four and a half for four years. They knew was a lie. Um, Then there's the covid lockdown. When you say Russia. okay, let's 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 go to the Russia hoax. Uh, Do you not believe that Russia interfered in our 2016 elections? Because I'm trying to understand what you mean by Russia hoax. Okay, if if Russia wanted somebody to be president, they would have picked Hillary Clinton because of Uranium One and the fact that she was more than willing to cooperate with Russia and send Russia our nutrients, our minerals at a discount. 
the notion that Ukraine, I mean, that uh, Russia, it was interfering in any way, shape or form more so than the Chinese, which the Chinese are more likely to interfere in our elections in Russia. We get 25,000 cyber attacks from China and the Chinese Communist Party a day. Do you find it ironic that Donald Trump has never said anything negative about Vladimir Putin? In fact, he stood on a stage right next to Vladimir Putin and said he believed Putin over our own CIA and FBI. You don't find that a little interesting that Trump to this day has never said one thing negative about Vladimir Putin. I'm not a huge Joe Biden fan, but at least he called him an evil murderous dictator, which is what Vladimir Putin is. I think we both could agree on that. You don't find that ironic? Well, no, actually, I think it's rather interesting because there's some things that Putin has said and done, you know, like kicking Monsanto out of his country, for example, that I actually agree with. I think we should have kicked Monsanto out of this country a long freaking time ago. Mm-hmm. But they line the, you know, bureaucrats and the DC puppets with lots of money through lobbying. That's why they get liability shields for their toxins. That's why they weren't prosecuted for things like Agent Orange or, you know, uh, any of the many other, you know, ecocides and cancers Mm -hmm. and stuff they've caused. So, you know, we live in a corrupt system in this country. And that's what my platform is designed Mm -hmm. to dismantle. Because those four things that you uh, you forgot to mention seven figure fines, right. expulsion, and prosecution, which I also which I also agree with you on. So let me let me try to make uh, define this here. We agree. I don't always uh uh you know believe our government. Do I believe there's a lot of corruption in D.C.? Absolutely, I'm with you 100 percent on that. But I think there's a fine line between saying that and saying 9/11 was an inside job. Or the October, I know a lot about the October 1 shooting, brother. And I'm telling you, Jake, right now, you can believe what you want to believe, but one man was responsible for killing all those people. The evidence is overwhelming. And I think when you make a claim like that, you have to have evidence to back it up. Not just a couple people said, blah, 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 blah. But let's, let's go ahead. Well, hold on a second. I'm not making claims of anything. What I'm saying is there are way too many unanswered questions and there is way too many patterns of cover-ups taking place by the government when they orchestrate things and then they go awry. So I, I don't trust people. I don't trust institutions. I trust patterns. And the patterns that I've seen throughout the last several decades is that the American people have become a target for intel agencies. They've become a target for investigative agencies like the FBI. And anytime their power or their supremacy is in any way, shape or form um, challenged or threatened, they have no problem killing people. Well, let, let's talk about, uh, for example, the 2020 elections, because uh, is it fair to characterize you? I know you're running as a libertarian. If it was Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, is it fair to assume that you would vote for Donald Trump if the elections were tomorrow? Well, I can't vote, but yeah, if you have, if you're going to vote for Joe Biden, <laughs> Well, I, I'm Look just at the country, dude. Look at the country. Okay. Well, I, I would say, would all right, well, let's talk about that, Jake. Um, I would say if not for Donald Trump, you would have never gone to jail. You wouldn't have been there on January 6th. I would say if not for Donald Trump, a lot of lives would have been saved uh, with the coronavirus, with which we can, by the way, we can, I'm happy to talk about that with you. Um, so there are positives and negatives to every presidency. And I'll be the first one to say I voted for Joe Biden in 2020, not because I'm a Democrat, because it was an anti-Donald Trump vote. He's also facing 91 felonies. Do you believe Joe Biden won the 2020 election free and fair? I'm not asking you if there was. Go ahead. 
No, I do not. Look into Mark Elias and the way that he went into swing states and changed the election laws in courts. Look into the Zucker boxes. Look into the ballot harvesting, the mail-in voting. Look into the way absentee ballots were a factor. Look into the way that the voting machines could be hacked by the Ericsson Corporation out of Sweden and how they control our whole. But Jake, why didn't Donald Trump's why didn't Donald Trump's own attorneys present any evidence in a courtroom? Well, because all of his cases were civil cases and they were not seen in court. Um, I'm curious to see what happens in Georgia, considering it's a federal case and he now has subpoena power and he can end up bringing forward all of the evidence. So if you I don't at, if you don't trust the 2020 election, then why are you running for office if you don't trust our, our process? Because I'm of the belief that. We as American people, if we all become active, if we all vote, then we can do something like turn the tide in an election. And it is my contention that the people here in the 8th District of Arizona want very real change. And I think that they believe at this point they're not going to find it in any Republican or Democrat candidate, establishment or MAGA. They didn't want it with Kerry Lake. They didn't want it with Kerry Lake, who also echoed what you echoed, that the 2020 election was stolen. With all due respect, I completely disagree with you. That's like saying the earth is flat, in my opinion. Kerry Lake is the one that said over and over again that Trump won, Trump won. And guess what? The good people of Arizona did not vote her in. So listen, if you think that Trump won, that's one thing. I haven't seen all those things that you listed are like Dinesh D'Souza stuff. The bottom line is we had Republican judges appointed by Donald Trump. We had, uh, you know, secretaries of state, Republicans, and there has been zero evidence of widespread voter fraud that could have uh, changed the outcome of the election. And I just I'm being honest with you, Jake, because, again, I think you're a smart guy. You're well-spoken. I agree with you on a lot of issues. But when you start talking about Trump won, Trump won, it's where I become hesitant. Because, yes, I do believe that's a conspiracy theory because there's no evidence to prove that Trump won the election. There's just no widespread voter fraud out there. So let's talk for a second about this term conspiracy theory. Okay. That was actually a term that came out shortly after JFK was assassinated when lots of people in the country did not believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman in the JFK. Just because JFK might have been killed by our own CIA doesn't mean that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. Okay, so, so you're telling me. So you're telling me that JFK being killed by our own CIA yep. is somehow not cause for concern. You don't think that those powers that had a sitting president. I didn't say it. I didn't say it wasn't cause from concern. I didn't say that. Hold on. Just hold on. Go ahead. Let's let's talk about. I want to quote JFK for you real quick. Okay. Okay, But what does that have to do with the 2020 elections? What is JFK? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I will tell you. I will tell you. Just listen. Okay. JFK said in a speech. We are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covert means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasions, on subversions instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conspired vast human and material resources to create a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, scientific, economic, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No rumor is printed. No expenditure is questioned and no secret is revealed. 
What JFK was talking about when he talked about this tightly knit, highly efficient machine, the machine that I believe had him assassinated in broad daylight on live television in front of the entire country and then brushed it under the rug. That tightly knit, highly efficient machine is the same military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about. It is currently what we call the deep state. It is called the swamp in other places or the shadow government by other people. What is the deep state? Okay, so the deep state is actually a, a, a number of things. Number one. It is the corruption of the key checks and balances portions of our government so that the checks and balances portions of the government can be corrupted and therefore circumvented so that power can be centralized within. OK, the let me talk to you about that. Our- let me let me ask on, you just, about that. Just hold on, dude. You asked what the deep state was. Do you yep. want to hear the answer? No. Well, I, I- because this is really important. Telling people what the deep state is is very important because we can't just call it the boogeyman because that's essentially what a lot of these candidates are doing. We have to articulate what it is. So it is these key checks and balances portions within the government that have been corrupted so they can be circumvented and power can be centralized within the electoral uh, portions of our government. And it is those same uh, corrupting entities that have corrupted the over 500 bureaucratic agencies that are in charge with quote unquote regulating commerce. Now, These bureaucratic agencies are writing regulations, which is a form of law, what we can buy, what we can sell, what is legal, what is illegal. They also have their own um, uh, uh, enforcement agents for these regulations. So they have legislative writing law. They have executive enforcing their regulations, enforcing their law. And they also have their own administrative courts, which are outside the federal court system. And that is actually the founding father's definition of tyranny when you consolidate all three branches of government into a centralized power. Okay, so when you have these corrupting agencies or corrupted agencies, along with the corrupted officials in the government. Right. And these two entities are working together along with the international corporations or banking cartels that seek to monopolize our currency, resources and labor. Now you're beginning to see how the deep state is formed and how it has exponentially grown for decades since Kennedy was talking about the tightly knit, highly efficient machine since Eisenhower warned us about the military industrial. Okay, let me jump in here and let me ask you this. I hear a lot of people on the right use the term deep state. I understand that you're not a Republican. I get that. But would you admit? that if there is a deep state out there, it's not just Democrats, it's both sides, Republicans and Democrats. Would you be willing to admit absolutely, that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The Uniparty in D.C. is a very big problem. Okay. So I think that's important. Even though we might disagree on some things, I think it's important to note that if you think there is corruption, which I believe there is, or you think there is a deep state, that it could happen on either side of the aisle. I think that is important to be at least fair on that. Um, so- Let's go back to the 2020 election, if I may. Does January 6th happen if Donald Trump doesn't say months before I won the election in a landslide, Joe Biden cheated and the Democrats cheated? Would you have been there on January 6th? And does January 6th happen if Donald Trump doesn't say those things? I'll say this. January 6th was a setup on behalf of the deep state. It was a setup because, and, and if you want, what do you mean it was a it setup? Uh, you, you were there. Well, you I'll weren't explain. set up. I'll explain. Okay, so Chief Sund, the former Capitol Police chief of the Capitol Police, um, he had certain emergency powers where he could invoke the National Guard at will that were stripped from him shortly before January sixth by Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and the Congress. Okay, they they made it to where he had to go through them to invoke the National Guard. Now. 
All of that being said, when he asked for the National Guard, when he submitted the paperwork, he was told no because it would be quote unquote. I know. I read that office. testimony. I, I understand. I read that okay, testimony. So, I know. So, I know exactly. Hold on, hold, on. I, hold on, but this is important. I know exactly what you're saying. That doesn't mean that the no, over no. thousand people that were convicted were set up. Nobody forced you to go into that building. Nobody forced them to beat. I know you didn't, but people beat police officers, Jake, that day. They defecated on Nancy Pelosi's desk. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. Those people weren't set up. They're idiots. Those people are idiots that were doing those things. They're criminals. There's a reason why you're not behind bars right now, because good behavior, right? You didn't attack any police officers. You didn't steal anything. But will you at least agree with me that those people were violent that attacked police officers and they deserve to be behind bars and they weren't set up? They're bad people. Anybody that attacks police officers or vandalizes property deserves to be prosecuted for their actions. However, one thing I want you to note, and this is actually something that has come out very recently, okay, is that the FBI infiltrated many of the patriotic communities online and on the ground and all at this point, all of the rhetoric regarding violence and uh, the uh, calls for violence on the day of January 6th, there's over 200 either confidential federal informants or agents that were fomenting the violence and actually participating in pushing people to be violent or being violent themselves with no prosecution. So wait, wait, hold on. Let's backtrack. Who who pushed people like you to be violent? I know that you were not violent, but I'm just using it as, so, a, as so an example. Then, so then why is that directed at me? And I just told you it was federal agents. And that this did anybody push you to be violent that day? Did anybody tell you is, to be violent? This is why I'm saying that it was a setup and you haven't allowed me to delineate further. It's not just what Chief Sun said. OK, there's also the fact that Yogananda Pittman, the uh, Capitol Police Intelligence Officer, did not get this information to Chief Sun that she got from the FBI and that she got from the Pentagon, which this is all according to Capitol Police Lieutenant Tarek Johnson, who's been blowing the whistle about this for a while. But the Mockingbird media does not want to interview him about these things. I'll interview they anybody. I'll, I'll interview anybody. I'm interviewing you. I'll interview anybody. So I'm certainly not a part of the Mockingbird media, as you would call it. I want the truth. My understanding is over a thousand people were already convicted, you being one of them. And and let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that you're 100 percent right, that people were, as you use the term, pushed to or coerced into doing things. Guess what? We're all adults. You made the decision to go in there. They made the decision to go in there. I don't care, quite frankly, if somebody said, hey, you should do this. Or you should do that. I noticed something you haven't brought up. You brought up Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. You haven't brought up Donald Trump, who sat on his ass in the White House for five hours and did absolutely nothing while a woman was killed and officers were beaten. Why don't you put any of that criticism and responsibility towards Donald Trump? Well, I've said this on several occasions and you probably missed it. And that is that if I were Donald Trump, the first thing I would have said the moment that I took the stage at the ellipse mm -hmm. was when we go down to the Capitol today, do not break any laws. Do not cross the barriers. Do right. not touch any police officers. You must keep it 100 percent peaceful and within the law. I agree. So I agree. So, Jake, with that being said, do you think Donald Trump should be held partially responsible for what took place that day? No, I do not, because he is not in control of anybody else's actions other than his own. And if it's true that it was a setup, and I do believe that it was a setup, most certainly, um, then it seems to me that the, the setup and the psyop that include, uh, um, that, uh, that was afterward, that was, um, in response to the setup 
Those things are psychological warfare 101, dude. So these do you the think these that people the that has been doing for a long time? These people so that these people this, that you're claiming set it up. Are they Democrats? Are they Joe Biden supporters? Who are these people? Oh, I think they are uniparty. I think they are the intelligence community. I think that they are the investigative agencies like the FBI, the CIA. And why would they want CIA, this to happen? Why would they want the this Pentagon? to happen? What's that? Why would they want this to happen? Why would they uh, allegedly set this up? Why would they want an insurrection? Yes, I do believe it was an insurrection. Why Why would they want this to happen? Well, you see, it's all about political optics. They could use this to not just go after Donald Trump and not just impeach him a second time, but then, you know, take him to court under things like seditious conspiracy and, and the setup itself. I mean, like the fact that Enrique Tario was offered a plea deal where if the, he just lied on the stand and said that he had a third party between him and Trump that were mm -hmm. organizing January 6th and, and, uh, he, they would let him go free mm -hmm. after a couple mm -hmm. months. The fact that he said no to that and blew mm -hmm. the whistle on that. Okay. That right there is evidence of corruption. The fact that well, they're going after Trump. Jake, it's you're also not about going after his supporters. Hold on. Yeah. It's also about going after his supporters creating the optics in the country that Trump supporters are somehow a danger to our country. They were and that day. Weaponizing, and then weaponizing the government to go after them in each of these FBI field offices over the country. I mean, uh, Stephen Friend, uh, the FBI whistleblower, talked about how the FBI is being weaponized against American citizens. He talked about how these people are basically being labeled as domestic terrorists. There's literally no more U.S. marshals on airplanes anymore because they're following anyone and everyone that went and flew into D.C. in early January of 2021, even if they didn't even go to the J6 rally. The, yeah. the air marshals are not keeping Americans safe because they're going after the I don't know who's I don't know. Let's, let's talk about about that, uh, the domestic terrorism. I don't know of any court in this country that has labeled any anybody on January 6th as a domestic terrorist. But I will say this, if you, uh, and, I'm not, and I'm not putting you in this category, but there were people there. I think the majority of the people there that went into the Capitol were very ignorant people, very stupid people that did some very stupid things. They did some violent things, some of them. They stole some things. They destroyed property. And yes, I think the overwhelming majority of them were MAGA Donald Trump supporters, and that was proven in a court of law. I don't think this was Antifa. I don't think this was a setup. I think this was overwhelming me. A lot of stupid people that day that did a lot of dumb things, hang Mike Pence, and they wanted to overturn the outcome of an election that to this day, you still say Donald Trump won, which I think is absurd because there's no actual real overwhelming evidence to prove something like that. I appreciate the fact that you've owned what you did. I give you credit for that. I always have. You did your time and you got out and you said, listen, I did what I did. I own it. I appreciate that about you. But let's be honest here. A lot of dumb people did a lot of stupid things that day. Why can't we just characterize it as that instead of saying they were pushed to do things by Nancy Pelosi or by, infiltrated by the FBI? Dumb people did stupid things that day. How could you disagree with that? Well, I've said before, anybody that vandalized property, assaulted police officers deserves to be prosecuted. And that would also include all of the people that were rioting all over the United States of America, burning down businesses. BLM has nothing to do with January 6th. No, why no, do you, no, 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 why do you no, no, always hold do on, that? Hold on. What we're talking about here is my standards for justice. If you assault police officers, if you, I agree, property, I agree. Okay. So, so hold on. Then why is it that 90 to 95% of the federal charges against those rioters in 2020 have been dropped? Can you name me one why name of one person that assaulted a police officer during the BLM riot? 
riots that was not prosecuted. Yeah, yeah, dude, Who? you can look it up. Who? Kim Give me a name. Harris was bailing him out of jail. Not dude. true. Come not true. On. Not true. What you just said. What you just said is not true. And I asked. Let's go back to what you just oh said. Hold God. on. Hold on. Kamala Harris wanted to make sure that people that were arrested got legal representation. That's number one. And number two, I ask you to name because you made a very serious charge there and you made it seem like people that attacked and and hurt police officers weren't prosecuted. I'm asking you to name me one name of one actual individual during the BLM protest, clear cut evidence, assaulted a police officer and was not charged with a crime. Can you please name me one name? Look into the indictments that were dropped. Ninety to ninety-five percent of the, I, I, I didn't of the ask, charges. I didn't were ask dropped. for a stat. Look, dude, I'm not going to give you a name because it's 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 irrelevant. It's actually it's irrelevant. very relevant. You're claiming that no, people no, assaulted police. Because, okay, well, let me give you the big difference here. Then the Mockingbird media said that it was okay. mostly peaceful as a building okay. burned behind them, as people in Chop or Chaz were literally being raped and murdered. Okay, and they called it the summer of love. You, dude, they literally they literally occupied a federal court building. Building in, in Colorado. What member of the media okay, they, called they it the summer of love? Building, they tried to set a police precinct on fire okay, so in Portland. Jake, uh, with two could be right. Inside. Jake, so, so hold on a second, dude. So, so, so look, look, what we're talking about here, once again, is optics, bro. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is optics. Yeah. And the optics were made to look in a certain way by the Mockingbird media, and they were made to look a certain way about January 6th by the Mockingbird media. They used my image in part with the images of violence outside the building to create a shock and awe campaign. And then they use that shock and awe campaign to divide the country based on dueling sides of propaganda around an, an event that has a very uh, gray area. It's not black and white. Now, do I think that the right wing of the Mockingbird media and the left wing of the Mockingbird media are inaccurate in their portrayals of January 6th? Yes, I do. Absolutely. It's designed to divide us. OK, it's a gray issue. You don't think it's Donald Trump right. tried to divide us? You don't you don't put any responsibility no, on Donald Trump? Media did. Dude, look, I've been to enough Trump rallies to see that there's black, white, there's Hispanic. There's Donald Asian, Trump there's got Hispanic, under 50. Donald Trump got under 50 percent of the black vote. So let's not uh, try to preach that all these black people yeah, are voting and, for and, Donald and Trump. Look at the hood now. Look at what look at them supporting Donald Trump now. OK, we've what are you got talking a about? A lot of people, even in Brooklyn, bro. I'll make you a places. bet. I'll make you a what? bet. I'll make you a bet in the 2024 election that uh, there's no way he gets 25 percent of the black vote. Now, you'll probably say that was election fraud and you'll say the election was stolen. But let me ask you another question. Why is it before 2016, months before the election with Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump said the election was going to be stolen and it was going to be fraudulent and Democrats were going to steal the election and Hillary was going to steal it. Then all of a sudden, Donald Trump won. And all of a sudden, I didn't hear anything from Donald Trump or right-wing Republicans out there, even people like you, saying that the election in 2016 was stolen. Why is that? For the next three years, I didn't hear anything about election integrity, and Hillary Clinton conceded the next day. Is it only when Donald Trump well, wins maybe, the election's fair, but when he loses, it's a lie? Maybe it's because the Democrats were the ones screaming about the voting machines and election fraud. No, they weren't. Hillary conceded the next no, day. Yes, what are you talking were, about? Dude. No, yes, they, they weren't. Were. Who? Like, what prominent, like, what prominent Democrat? And by the way, there wasn't an insurrection. Democrats didn't cause an insurrection. But what prominent Democrat can you name? No, I'm they gonna... just rioted all over the country. That's oh, they did? they did? They did? Really? Uh -huh. uh, didn't yeah, Hillary look concede? Into it, bud. Look into it. Did, didn't Hillary concede the next day? 
Did she not? Um, well, if you consider saying that the election was stolen from her over and over and over. She didn't over say that. She didn't say I that. So. She never said the election was stolen. She called Donald Trump an illegitimate president. Uh, I think he, uh, when you say that, you know, PO, you know, up to POWs, John McCain, I don't respect him because he was captured. In my opinion, that makes you illegitimate. But you know what? Donald Trump won the 2016 election. He won it fair and square. Never once have I ever said the election was stolen. But then he wins and all those comments go away. Oh, I guess this was a fair election. But when Donald Trump loses, then the Democrats must have cheated. That's the point I'm trying to make, Jake. So you believe you believe that Biden got 81 million. You know why I believe that? I'll tell you why. Because of people like me. I'm a registered independent. I voted for Joe Biden, not because I'm a Joe Biden supporter, because I'm anti Donald Trump. It was an anti Donald Trump vote. So the answer is absolutely 100 percent. Yes. And if Donald Trump stayed off of Twitter and he stopped being such an a-hole and attacking every single person that disagrees with him, didn't say that covid was going to be 15 cases down to zero and take his covid campaign turning it into campaign rallies. If he didn't do all those things, he would still be president of the United States. Donald Trump did this to himself, Jake. Okay. You disagree? Tell tell me why you disagree with me. Why did he lose? I don't think he lost, bro. Well, that's clear, but I mean, you can say that, but Kyrie Irving also says the earth is flat. It doesn't mean you're right. This is what's frustrating. Well, see, now what you're trying to do is you're trying to correlate these two ideas. Yes, I am, because they're both conspiracy theories. I don't agree with that correlation. Well, I think they're they're both conspiracy theories. You have to have actual real evidence to prove that the— Well, in a courtroom, Donald Trump's own attorneys had the opportunity to show evidence. They couldn't do it. Carrie Lake said that the election was stolen from her. She had the opportunity, her attorneys, to prove it in court. She couldn't do it. Your attorneys, even though I know you disagree with the attorneys that represented you, and I feel bad for you when it comes to that, by the way, but they couldn't prove that you were innocent. It's why you went to jail. Uh, I'm not saying every case is full blown, you know, innocent people don't get thrown in jail because sometimes they do and it's terrible. But we have our day in court. Donald Trump will have his day in court facing his 91 felonies, which I would also assume you probably think he's innocent, right? The DOJ and the FBI have been weaponized against the American people for decades. Okay, so does that mean every case, every person is innocent and nobody commits any crimes and Donald Trump can do no wrong? Is that what you No, you're... that's not what that means at all. So what does it mean? That Donald Trump is innocent and that's why you think he's innocent because the DOJ... By the way, Jack Smith's also prosecuted Democrats. Were you aware of that? He prosecuted uh, John Edwards. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of that. Uh, so do you think this is the deep state going after Donald Trump as well? What I think is that the deep state, these weaponized agencies, they practice something called prosecutorial discretion or investigative discretion, mm-hmm. where the people, whether they be U.S. attorneys or people that are like high level agents within these agencies, choose to prosecute or not prosecute, choose to investigate or not investigate mm-hmm. crimes and uh, file charges. And the fact of the matter is there is numerous cases of this happening. A great example would be Jeffrey Epstein. 
The feds knew what he was doing. And guess what? They were in league with him. Mossad and CIA were like this with Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They knew what was going on okay. and they didn't do anything about it. Okay. And, and that's not the only case. There's the Barney Frank scandal. There's the Franklin cover-up and what happened in Nebraska with Lawrence King. There's also the case with Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino on the military bases. Okay. Let's There's talk also- about that. Let's there's also, hold on, there's also the CIA, the Pentagon, mm-hmm. and the FBI all having child porn either on their own servers or on the servers of their employees. And this scandal came out a mm-hmm. long time ago. Now, let's also talk about the $2.3 trillion that went missing from the, de- from the well, Pentagon. Well, before we get to that, budget, hold on, you mentioned- Hold on, Jay. No, dude, no, dude. There's, there's, mm-hmm. hold on. You just mentioned a lot. The reason why I'm delineating these things, bro, is because there is a pattern and I don't trust people. I don't trust institutions. I trust patterns, bro. And there's a very clear pattern of corruption and malfeasance for which the government is investigating okay. itself. This is where we fundamentally, this is where Look we f- operation fast and furious, dude. This is they where we try. Okay. Hang on. Hang guns on. To the cartels. This is where we. That's f- the Obama administration. This is lied about. This is where we agree on some things and then we fundamentally disagree just because you don't trust the government doesn't mean that donald trump is innocent just because you don't trust the government doesn't mean that hillary clinton is holding a prostitution ring pizzagate in a pizza restaurant jake you believe in pizzagate i right? never said that you're trying to project now you're claiming that ju- you're claiming that donald trump is innocent and and you're going by i don't trust the government here's why i don't trust the government there's a pattern so donald trump must be innocent would you say the same thing about hunter biden and the Biden family, as some people like to characterize them, the Biden crime family. Uh, Hunter Biden has been indicted now for a second time. Would you defend Hunter Biden with, you know, your thoughts on the DOJ and how it's being weaponized as you do with Donald Trump? What, what are, what's the charges against Hunter Biden, bro? He's got gun charges now for a second time. We have Republicans that are claiming the Biden crime family when there's no evidence that Joe Biden committed any crime. Uh, this is now the second time that Hunter Biden has been indicted, by the way, with an unloaded gun that was unused and he had for 11 days that he didn't commit a crime with. To people like you or me, it would have been thrown out by now. But I, my question to no, you is when a Democrat, no. Look, dude, no, hold on, dude. I've talked to people in prison that are felons mm-hmm. that the, they got, there was a gun just even in the car. Hunter Biden's not a felon. Somebody else. It was not even in their possession and they got 10 years, dude. They got 10 years. So I can't speak okay, to that. So, I can't so speak Hunter to Biden. Hold on. Hold on. Hunter Biden has photographs of himself, not just weighing crack cocaine, but hanging out with hookers, many of which mm-hmm. look underage and he has a firearm okay. in his hand. So I would, and you're telling me that, and, and you're telling Telling me that he shouldn't get the same equal treatment that sure uh, so I'll answer that in the federal system. I'll answer get. that. I'll answer Ten that. Years, bro. I'll answer Five that. Minimum. I'll answer that. First Five of all, first of all, I have no idea what case you're talking about and someone you spoke to prison with, and we have no idea whether they're telling the truth or not. That's number one. Number two, just because the way the laws work in this country, just because you think somebody looks underage doesn't mean they're underage. That's number two. Number three, yeah. if you look at the actual case of Hunter Biden, by the way, Hunter Biden's never been a felon before. Uh, I wanted to make that clear. An unloaded gun that he had illegally for, I think it was either 11 days or 14 days. And if you ask to non-biased political people, they would tell you no person would ever go to jail for that, especially for a first-time offense. So no, I, I disagree with you on that, but I do find it interesting that when it comes to Donald Trump, he could do no wrong in your eyes, and he's innocent of these 91 felony counts, which I believe are very serious. But then when it comes to a Democrat or Hunter Biden, 
You don't want to attack the DOJ. Why is it that when a Republican is indicted for a crime, you immediately want to talk about how you don't trust the government and the DOJ, but when a Democrat is indicted, he must have committed the crime or he's not being punished hard enough? Why is that, Jake? Well, clearly you haven't done your homework. Oh, no, I've done plenty of homework. No, I dude, I just named Lawrence King. He's a up and coming Republican star and the DOJ covered up his crimes. I'm saying that's atrocious and awful. Um, Then there's also things like, oh, Dennis Hastert, the former speaker of the House and in the Bush years. And the fact that uh, Sabelle Edmonds blew the whistle about the fact that he had like things like child pornography on his computer and that he was trafficking guns and drugs in Turkey. And then the FBI took that dossier and said, forget about it. Let me be clear. Just forget about if somebody if somebody committed any crime like that, I want I agree with you. I want them to the highest extent of the law. Do you think Matt Gates is a pedophile? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I will say this about Matt Gates. Just hear me out on this. Okay. I will say this about Matt Gates. Um, shortly after I did my uh, Newsmax interview yeah. a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it was the 13th of November. Yep. Shortly after that, Matt Gates came out and started talking about single bill voting. And then he, he proposed a anti-corruption plan. That was essentially my campaign platform mm-hmm. talking about term limits, talking about getting rid of lobbying and talking about insider trading and mm-hmm. had touting it as his own idea. Again, so what I think, yeah, what I think, hold on, what I think about everybody mm-hmm. in the dinosaur circus, that's what I call DC because they're all a bunch of dinosaurs and it's a clown show. <laughs> well, I don't circus. disagree. I don't disagree um, with you there. Okay. What I think of most of the people in the dinosaur circus is that most of them are corrupt and beholden to NGOs, special interest groups, international corporations, and international banking cartels. They don't represent the American people. Not at all. Okay. That's why I'm running for Congress. Okay. But everything you just mentioned is the Trump family and Jared Kushner. He received over $2 billion from the Saudi government. His daughter received over $600 million from China and trademarks. You're running against this stuff, yet you're telling me you would still support and vote for Donald Trump. That's what's confusing to me. Over Joe Biden? Over Joe Biden? Absolutely. Who made money in in Joe Biden's administration uh, from corruption? And where's the evidence of that? Because we have evidence of Jared Kushner and those. (laughs) Well, I mean, laughing is not answering the question. I'm I'm respectfully asking you, where is your evidence that Joe Biden and those in his administration, because Jared Kushner, right, and Ivanka Trump worked in Donald Trump's administration. Where is your evidence that Joe Biden is a criminal and he and many others in his family in his administration made money? off of foreign entities. Where's the evidence? Well, um, I'm pretty sure the evidence is on Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, you know, what do you mean pretty sure? the whistleblowers that have come forward. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Hold on. Talking about have Ukraine, you seen Hunter Biden's laptop? Well, wait. You talking just... about the Chinese uh, paying Jake. Hunter Biden. Jake, you can't just There's assume that you can't, you can't just assume that there's stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop. You've never seen his laptop. You don't know it. Why would you make a statement like that? You're just throwing stuff at a wall, my man, with all due respect. No, no I'm not, but that's fine. You know what's in Hunter Biden's laptop? Uh, I, I didn't know they I've showed seen enough evidence. I've seen enough evidence Where? of corruption from the Biden family and from Hunter Biden to know what's actually going on. Then where is Regardless the evidence? Of what people like you think, I really don't care. I know what I know, dude. Okay, well, you could say you know what you know. I'm trying to pick your brain and trying to get actual evidence for you to make these types of claims. You're running for office. Okay, I take- so so then how about we talk about the fact that Joe Biden leveraged a billion dollars against a 
uh, Ukrainian attorney. That's not true. And, uh, okay, let me oh, give you the fact. So no, he said so that's a right wing talking on live point. Television, on, when he said on live television that he said, unless the prosecutor is fired, they're not getting the money. Sure. Let me let me answer that. Let me answer that and try to explain that to you. And if you watch Newsmax and OAN, you won't get this information. But the bottom oh. line is the reason so why CNN too. Don't you? <laughs> uh, so you so you think Newsmax is more credible than CNN? Uh, has CNN been? No, they're uh, both, no, they're two they're two wings of the same bird, bro. Really? Has CNN been uh, sued for eight hundred uh, million dollars uh, in a lawsuit with Dominion voting machines? Um, no, no the answer is no. Producer, hold on, but hold on, but two of their producers were recently just indicted on child porn and child trafficking charges. Okay, okay, and are they still employed? Well, and 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 didn't Don Lemon and like uh, have like a sex scandal? Oh, and Chris Cuomo wasn't he like feeding information to his brother okay. about the women that were coming forward so as whistleblowers? Chris, oh yeah, and when and when they actually I'll let that. him go, I'll answer that. When CNN let him go, mm-hmm. he CNN said that Chris Cuomo, their number one anchor for a while, was a mm-hmm. liar and couldn't be trusted. So, you know, dude, like, look, bro. The fact of the matter is both sides of the Mockingbird media are corrupt. I call them Mockingbird media because of Operation Mockingbird when the CIA infiltrated major media outlets in the United States in the 60s and the 70s to control the war, uh, anti-war and civil rights movement narratives. And it's only gotten worse ever since then. And yes, Newsmax and Fox News are a part of that Mockingbird media. Okay, just like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, they're part of the Mockingbird media. It is the same thing as state-run media out of USSR. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. Let me ask you a question. It's the same thing. You mentioned Hunter Biden's laptop. If they're a part of the Mockingbird media, can you please tell me where you got your information on Hunter Biden's laptop? Dude, there's websites all over the place. Which website did you get that information from? Where it has all of this information Where? laid out. For Which outlet did you get that? I can't remember that? the name of the website off the top of my head. Okay, well, that's kind of important when you make a claim that the president's son, you know what's in his laptop, and you're claiming he's with underage girls. I've but have seen then... enough to know. Okay, but and, you... and let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about the fact that Joe Biden's own daughter said that she was so weirded out about the fact that her father was wanting to shower with her that she was afraid to shower and waited for him to go to bed? How do you sure, feel about that? Sure, sure. Here's what I feel about that. She wrote a book. She made money off a book. Here's the bottom line. And now I'm going to give you some facts, Jake, not conspiracy theories. Joe Biden has never been convicted of a crime. He's never been indicted of a crime. You can laugh. Donald Trump is a liable. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I know he hold hasn't on. been. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish, Jake. I let you. I let you talk. Let me finish. Donald Trump has been proven a liable rapist in a courtroom. I've never heard you talk about Donald Trump. He also has had 25 women, and you probably didn't know this, including his ex-wife in court documents that accused him of rape. But people like you want to talk about Joe Biden sniffing a girl or a book that his daughter wrote about showering with her dad. Why is it again? And I've asked you this question before. When it comes to Donald Trump, you seem to wear the Donald Trump knee pads. But when it comes to Joe Biden, oh, let's talk about Joe Biden's daughter's book. Why is that, Jake? Well, you see, Donald Trump and I don't agree on everything. There's a number of things that Donald Trump has said and done that I don't agree with. So this notion of wearing the Donald Trump knee pads, I think you, you say, do. He won. Well, here's why I say that. Hold on. To be fair, to be fair, and then I'll let you finish, Jake. To be fair, this is why I say that. You claim that Donald Trump won the 2020 election, which he didn't. You say Donald Trump 
did not have any responsibility or bearing on January 6th when you know if you didn't say the election was stolen, which is a lie, January 6th doesn't happen. You don't talk about Jared Kushner and the $2 billion he got from the Saudis. You don't criticize his administration. You don't criticize his daughter. When I call him a liable rapist, you want to talk about some book that Joe Biden wrote. That's why I say you wear, the, with all due respect, the Donald Trump knee pads, because I don't hear you criticizing him on Newsmax or whatever other right-wing entity. And then when you want to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop and you want to talk about the Mockingbird media and you want to attack members of the media, when I ask you for your source that you seem to know everything that's in Hunter Biden's laptop, because I wasn't aware that the DOJ showed evidence to felons, with all due respect, you can't give me the entity where you got that information from, but you want realizations about the media, the mockingbird media. Yet when you make a claim, you don't source it with literally anything. That's why I say you wear the Donald Trump knee pads. Okay. So all these media anonymous sources are, are sources now, huh? Well, look, dude, I am simply telling you what my opinion is. Understood. And the reason why I have the opinions that sure, I have. Sure. I don't like Jared Kushner. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't We like agree. Him. We agree. <laughs> um, and I think it was a mistake, in all honesty, for that uh, appointment to be made by Donald Trump. I understand to a certain extent wanting to have family members or people that you know and uh, that you think you can trust in your cabinet, considering mm -hmm. all the backstabbing that went on with Donald right. Trump. I understand. Mm -hmm. um, now, when it comes to criticizing Trump, there's a lot more that he has done that I agree with and I would do if I were in his shoes mm -hmm. than the other way around. Do you think he was a but good policymaker? Operation, but Operation Warp Speed, yeah. um, you know, things like uh, the blowing up of a Native American. Let's talk site about Operation Warp Speed. Let's try create, to go. Let's create a border Jake, wall. let's try to go um, one at a time. Uh, Operation Warp Speed. I agree with you. I give him credit for that. Yet he took the vaccines in private. And then when uh, the mockingbird media on the right tried to downplay the vaccines and you're by the way, you're pretty anti-vaccine yourself. Weren't you discharged because you refused to take a vaccine, but yet you want to give Donald Trump credit for the vaccines. And then you want to talk about no, the board. I just said that I don't like what he did. Are you listening to? OK, me? so you don't like Operation Warp Speed. You think the vaccines were bad. Well, I think that pushing something without real like efficacy or human trials mm -hmm. is really a bad idea. Yeah. And I don't care what your reasoning is. I mean, the fact of the matter is hydrochloroquine and Iver, uh, I'm sorry, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin and Regeneron actually did a really good job of taking care of whatever COVID infections there were. But the thing is, mm -hmm. those are cheap and effective solutions. And the only way that Operation Warp Speed could be pushed through through yeah. this emergency authorization mm -hmm. is if entities within the government, the bureaucracy, the deep state, is if they were able to say that there was no other viable solution other than a vaccine. And mm -hmm. when we look into the fact that some of these patents, dude, like they've been around for a while. Okay. And there was a Chinese, uh, um, doctor over in China that was working on the COVID stuff in, yeah. 20, um, uh, in October of 2019. So, Jake, this is where and we will agree. This is if I just made... think Fauci was a really bad idea. Well, here's where I will agree with you. I believe we do have a cure for cancer and diabetes, and I believe the pharmaceutical companies are the reasons why we don't right now. So we agree there. With that being said, I don't go as far as to say the vaccines were all bad. In fact, they saved a lot of lives. I almost died of COVID. Um, does that mean the vaccines are perfect? No vaccine is perfect, right? But at the same time, 
Um, I completely, you know, agree with you that, listen, the pharmaceuticals make a lot of uh, money. There's absolutely no question about that. Yeah, and it's atrocious. They're standing in the way of very real cures that could very well change people's lives and help people to no longer be sick, that could actually cure cancer mm-hmm. or cure diabetes and stuff like that. But sure. they don't want those things to be released. I don't to the disagree. Public. I don't disagree. I just think that there's a way to say that without saying that, you know, that all vaccines are bad. But at the same time, well, I all, never said all vaccines I didn't are say, bad. I, I didn't say you said that, but there are people out there that have said that. Uh, I don't think anybody should be forced to get a vaccine. I don't think there ever should have been vaccine mandates. So we probably agree on that. In closing, because I could talk to you forever and I appreciate the conversation. You are running for Congress. Uh, you're out in Arizona. I agree with some of your policies or what you want to implement. My only point that I've said in this entire interview is that if we can get away from, and listen, you're entitled to your opinions. I'm just giving you my opinion. If I, if candidates could get away from some, Trump won the election in 2020, which he didn't, um, and get away from everybody's a pedophile, then I'm going to take people like you a lot more seriously and people like you that I could see myself voting for. I don't think January 6th was an inside job. I don't think September 11th was an inside job. I can tell you with full certainty, October 1, there was one shooter and that shooter is now dead. I think if you can focus and this again, just my opinion, you're entitled to yours. That's why I wanted you to come on. If you could focus on the issues that you want to change in Washington, D.C., I think that would suit you better. That's just my well, opinion, that's Jake. That's what I thought this interview was about, but you chose to, you know, derail it because I tried to tell you the reasons why I went to D.C., regardless of what those things are or what my beliefs are, my campaign platform is sound and it will dismantle the corruption in DC for generations to come. So regardless of what uh, our petty differences regarding opinions of this or that, I I think that if we can agree on the four things that I'm proposing Mm -hmm. when I'm running uh, now that I'm running for Congress or things like cures need to be released to the public that are being held by the pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. companies and the bureaucracy, the deep state. Yeah. If we can agree on those things, then it really doesn't matter about all this other stuff because we can agree on the systematic corruption and how to solve it. And that, my friend, is the very thing that the establishment does not want, that the Uniparty does not want. They don't Mm -hmm. want independents like yourself or libertarians like myself coming Mm -hmm. forward and uniting the country and getting rid of the two-party Uniparty system. Right. Well, in closing, I'll say this, and I'm going to be honest. I'm always honest. I believe you're being honest as well. Those four things that you're running on your platform, I'm with you 150% on. That's the truth. Um, I would love for you to come back. Uh, I certainly don't try to derail any interviews, but I want to get deep deep dive into, into your way of thinking with some things that we disagree on. So that was certainly not my objective to derail anything. And I would certainly welcome you to come back and we could have another good conversation if you're willing to do so, Jake. I will enter any home where Thank I am you. welcome. Just Thank like you. Jesus. I, I appreciate We didn't even get into religion and any other stuff. Next time, Jake, I want to get into those topics with you. But I do appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. Good, lively conversation and look forward to uh, having you on again soon, Jake. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Send me the link. I'll put it on my Twitter. I appreciate you, ex. Jake. Good conversation. And I will do that. I will do that today. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is Jake Chansley. Uh, He is running for office as a libertarian in the 8th Congressional District in Arizona. Uh, Boy, we 
we we talked about a number of topics. We 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 covered a lot, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, I appreciate the conversation. I disagree with him on what I would characterize as some conspiracy theories. But at the same time, I do agree with him on some of the things he's running on. So it's it's kind of back and forth, back and forth. But I will absolutely have him on again. All right. The QAnon Shaman, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to ask him if he can wear that getup next time he comes on. I don't think he will. But uh, I appreciate his time. Coming up next, another Q conspirator. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Chris Wynn is joining us next on Pushing the Limits. We're going to talk some sports with him. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
welcome back. It is Pushing Limits. Um, I, I'm, my, my mind is kind of uh, in a knot right now. That was 50 minutes of conspiracy theorist talk, I felt like. It was a crazy interview, but if you missed it, we just had the QAnon shaman on. And we were uh, we talked about a number of topics from his conspiracy theories about October 1, 9-11, January 6th. And the man's running for office. He's trying to be the next congressman for you in Arizona. So, wow, that was interesting. I'll repost it on our social media platforms if you missed it. Um, I also want to tell you guys about my good friend, uh, Blake Gwynn, who's not a conspiracy theorist over at the Keller Williams Group. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home, please give Blake a call. 702-540-3311. His, great gran- his uh, grandfather, the late, great Kenny Gwynn, was our governor. Great governor, by the way. Not a conspiracy theorist. So give him a call. Blake Wynn, 702-540-3311. It is Monday. And before I get to my in-studio guest, uh, we have a lady joining us on the show tomorrow who's running for president. She's running against Joe Biden, and she calls herself a pro-life Democrat. I have a feeling that interview might turn into fireworks as well. She's joining us on the show tomorrow. Uh, I just saw her do an interview on Fox News. So she's joining us on the show tomorrow. We got the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci, that's going to be joining us on Friday. So we got a lot of good guests. And the guy we have in the studio right now is nothing short of that. Well, maybe he's shorter than Anthony Scaramucci, but nothing short of a good guest. Of course, I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend. Chris Wynn, also known as the Sea Wind Special. What's up, Chris? How you doing? It's going good, Brian. Good to be here. Uh, yeah, that was something there. That uh, <laughs> discussion you had with, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Angeli, Shaman of America, Supercalifragilistic, Expialidocious, whoever the hell he was. Uh, I mean, I, I, I got to be honest, man. My head was about to explode throughout most of that uh yeah, I think I did that, better. That, that discussion, I don't even call it an interview because I don't think it was an interview. It was just basically kind of a banter back and forth between you and him. Uh, it went in a lot of direct, different directions. I'll say that. Uh, it was all over the place. Uh, you started, you tried to ask some pointed questions to him and, and get some actual answers. And then it, it went into, you know, energy fields in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, uh, I was trying, trying to make everything configured together, which is the reason I was there. And uh, you know, all, you got we got we got a nice little history lesson going on there. That was uh, that was pretty solid stuff. Well, uh, I'll say this, David. And when I mean solid, I mean solidly David, terrible. David but. Pacman did an interview with him last week, yeah. and um, he was very uh, how should I use the term cordial and patient. I was a little less patient. Um, so, no, 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 absolutely not. You were you were absolutely you were very hospitable in this in this discussion yeah, today, without yeah. question. It was about fifteen minutes, like you said. Uh, for the better part of the last hour. And, uh, you know, and you kept using terms with him like you, you think he's very intelligent and he's well spoken. And you mentioned it multiple times, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I would probably, uh, disagree with that sentiment. But that being said, I mean, well, uh, well, it was, uh, we can it was this... an interesting, he did throw a lot of, let's put it this way. He did say a lot of things and he was using a lot of words. We can, but put... it didn't make a lot of sense. We can put let's this put to bed. Way. When yeah. I do say I agree <laughs> with some of the things he's running on, I actually do. He agreed, yeah. he, he's running on term limits, which by the way, I've always agreed with single bill voting, uh, okay. insider trading. So the stuff he's actually running on, I'm supportive. He's running as a libertarian. It's the conspiracy well, stuff. Well, just, but the but the major points of discussion, right? Right. That you right. had with him. He just didn't want to talk about. It. He right. Didn't to, right. He didn't want well, to make any assertion, or he didn't want he didn't want to say that Donald Trump was the reason why yeah. they were all there 
on January 6th. He starts talking about all these, you know, the, the JFK conspiracy, right? And look, these are all different entities that are important in American history without question. But they have nothing to do with January 6th. So, uh, like I said, my head was about to explode, and uh, I'm kind of yeah. glad it's over. Well, that interview's <laughs> over with, uh, but uh, he has the platform but, if you'd like to come back yeah. on, because I think it was uh, at least somewhat entertaining. All right, speaking of yeah. entertaining was the uh, – let's start with the national sports stories, Chris. And Absolutely. Then I, and then I want to get yeah. to the local stuff. We'll get to you, and I'll be in all that other no stuff. No doubt. Let's start with last night, Kansas City Chiefs uh, playing the Green Bay Packers. Packers were in control of the game. For just about the entire game. They were leading and then, you know, Chiefs had a chance. They were down two and they have the ball. They go yep. three and out. Okay, fine. Give the Packers credit. However, the story of this game is not the Pack, in my opinion, the Packers beating the Kansas City Chiefs. The story is the officiating. Because the final two plays of that game, especially not the one in the end zone, but the one, not the Travis Kelsey uh, push in the back, which was egregious too. The fact that the refs, in my opinion, controlled the outcome possibly of this football game, certainly the final score. Uh you would have had the ball first and goal at the three-yard line. He would have had enough yep. time to score there. No doubt. No. This, tell me if you disagree with me here. I'm a basketball official. I think basketball, right? Okay. I've never been a football official. But that clear pass interference was like with five seconds left to go in a basketball game, if you basically karate chop somebody in the neck. I mean, no, no, me, I heard your analogy at the yeah. top of the first. You, look, you, you talked about this at the top of the show. And uh, you agree with I, me? I, obviously, yeah. I agree in sentiment yeah. with a lot of what you said regarding the situation last night in this specific game we're talking about. Of course, there's a lot of games like yesterday. Obviously, it's NFL Sunday. But uh, it, what, what do we remember? We remember the last thing we saw. And we saw a game that absolutely positively, I think, the outcome of the game was affected by the officiating. Right. And you talked about it. And look, you had Mo, you had Paul McCaskey on uh, earlier on in the show. And Paul talked about, uh, you know, uh, uh, making comparisons right to other sports. Now, here's here's uh, an important caveat when you're talking about officiating, right, at the professional level. All other leagues, all the other leagues have full-time officials. The NFL does not. Uh, they've been talking about it and they've been discussing it for the past four to five years, plus about having full-time officials in the National Football League. All the officials in the NFL uh, for the most part, have other professions, right? They're either lawyers, they're doctors, they're school teachers, they're policemen. You know what I mean? They they have full time jobs, other than or they're just retired and they're officials. My point being is this: they're not full. They're they're part time. They're part time. So uh, I'm not making excuses for it. I'm just simply pointing out that uh, that's something that the NFL has tried to rectify. In re- like I like I just pointed out in the last four or five years, there've been discussions mm-hmm. of bringing on these officials full time so that hopefully the idea is right that stuff like this doesn't happen so you can't have the outcome of a game like that transpire in which you have not just one call but two calls and then you had a caller actually on on, in the first hour that would uh, correctly brought this up he was talking about the uh roughing the passer call uh no call on patrick mahomes uh and i i would agree with that with that that idea that that might have had something to do with the officials and why they decided to make the call the way they made the call. Regardless, uh, the ramifications are huge, okay? It could have huge ramifications for the AFC so, playoff picture. Of course. Obviously, the yeah. NFC playoff picture. So let me jump in. And and so you can't have that happen. Let, you just can't. Well, we obviously yeah. agree on that. Here's my bigger issue. Mm-hmm. You can't miss a call like that, right? Especially at oh, the yeah. end of the game. We know that people are human beings, officials, and they make mistakes. This wasn't just a mistake or something that happened in the first quarter. They missed this. They missed that. This was... Uh, possibly controlling the outcome of the game and an egregious call. With that being said, my second issue, besides just 
flat out blowing two calls that flags that should have been thrown is the fact of accountability. When it comes to the NFL, they'll hold players accountable if they make mistakes or if they say something, they'll immediately get fined, right? If they criticize, they'll hold coaches accountable and owners accountable. The problem I have with the NFL is they usually almost never hold the officials accountable. In my personal opinion, the officials, and I don't know how many of them were in the end zone or could have made that call. I would imagine multiple. It wasn't just one. Those officials that didn't throw a flag in the last two plays that were in the area that could have should be suspended the rest of the year. And I'm going to tell you why that would work. The reason why that would work is I guarantee you we wouldn't be talking about these situations as much if the NFL put the clamp down. And if the officials don't want to be in an environment like that, they don't want to be afraid to throw a flag or not throw a flag, then guess what? Then don't be an NFL official because most of them are getting paid a lot of money to do what I would consider a really cool job. Uh, you got to work hard to get okay, to where so you're yeah, at. Okay, so yeah, so that's another thing you talked about. You talked about the money. So money doesn't really enter into it when it comes to a decision that's wrong or right, right on the field. To the gamblers, you know, how much does. money? They, no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the money that they make as officials. Because you brought that up in the first hour. Also, about you money, said I'm they're making. About a no, you brought up how the officials are making a lot of money, as if that's sometimes as if that as any uh, bearing whatsoever on whether or Here's not making a call wrong Here's or making a call right. Can I just say you know why? what I mean? Can I defend? Really? Also, no, no. Let me finish. But let me, but let me yeah. also address what you said. No, no. Time out. No, just let me finish. So you just talked about how they don't have accountability, right? So let's talk about that. Let's 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 make I, I need to I need to clarify something with you. Okay. They, there are situations in which officials are made accountable. It's usually the next day. The, the, for example, like today, I would expect the NFL is probably going to come out and issue an apology to the Kansas City Chiefs. They've done it. There's precedent for this. They've done this multiple times, Brian, mm-hmm. in the NFL, where the NFL has come out. 24 hours later, it happened with my Detroit Lions multiple times. The situation when Calvin Johnson made the catch and they, they called him out of bounds. They came out 24 hours later and said, hey, our officials made a mistake. Uh, it wasn't the officials that actually come out and apologize. It's the NFL that comes out and apologizes. So in a way, that is some type of accountability. Now, they don't have immediate accountability, obviously, right? And there's laws in, in, in the, uh, not laws, there's, there's rules when it comes to the NFL as far as, you know, players and coaches after games criticizing officials, right? So you can't, you can't have players, you don't have, you don't have coaches coming out here saying officials are awful and that was, the, the officials blew the game, right? You don't see that in post-game press conferences. So there's not immediate accountability when it comes to officials, but there is accountability, Brian. So I have to correct you on that. And and kind of push back a little bit because okay. you're you're acting like well didn't, they don't okay. they don't so have to me, answer to anybody right, so let me respond is what um, you're basically saying I never said they don't have to answer to anybody okay. there has been levels of accountability at times my point right. is That's hold on hold on yeah. my point is it's nowhere near enough and when officials in this case blow a couple calls that can control the outcome of a Sunday night football game on top of it where the world is watching. There has to be more accountability than maybe a one-game suspension. Uh, when The reason why I bring up money is for this reason. We're not talking about a JV high school boys referee in a high school football game that's making maybe $50 or $60 a game. And by the way, I would argue some of those officials are probably better than what we saw last night. We are talking about on the biggest stage in football, the world watching, you're making a lot of money. You're supposed know, to. Be, you keep talking about this, though. Let me finish. I don't know why you're Let me this. finish. You're <clears> supposed <throat> to be a me. professional, and you're also supposed to be the best of the best. 
Nobody can look me in the eye and tell me the best of the best would not have thrown a flag in those last two situations last night. In my personal opinion, and I'll repeat and I will say again. Okay, so account- hold on. Yeah. Accountability is not will give you a slap on the wrist and a one-game suspension. Accountability to me looks like the official or officials that blew the game last night should not be out on the football field the rest of the 2023-2024 season. And then, if it happens again, they are fired. You get to start the season next year, but if it happens again, where not if you miss a call. If you miss an egregious call like that, that could control the outcome of a game, you are done. It should be a two-strike rule. And I guarantee you, if they implemented that, these types of situations wouldn't happen as much. They might still happen, but they wouldn't happen as much. We see these calls or lack of no calls almost every week, and I'm getting sick and tired of it. I am getting sick and tired of it, and there needs to be accountability. The official or officials that didn't throw flags there should be suspended. They shouldn't be out on the field the rest of the game. If they want to referee high school boys football, they can do that the rest of the year, but they shouldn't be out there on an NFL football field. That's my opinion. Okay, yeah. Uh, look, uh, as far as suspension, I don't really know. It's it's a very rare occasion when NFL officials, officials in any sport, really, uh, end up getting suspended unless it's an egregious situation, right? Unless there's something where, uh, it is just something that's absolutely something that can't be ignored. And then the official, uh, it doesn't even matter if it's the NFL, the NBA or the NHL, right? Or Major League Baseball. It has to be something kind of over the top. So a bad call like last night. Look, there's been, there's been thousands of bad calls throughout the history of the NFL. Uh, last night was one of them, right? And it was certainly not the first and it's certainly not going to be the last. So. Uh, while I agree kind of in spirit of what you're talking about as far as, well, yeah, you should be suspended and then you should be fired if you make another call like that. That's not really how it works. In the, with it, when it comes to accountability in the NFL, as far as officials are concerned, a lot of times it's done through evaluation and then it's done through, oh, by the way, you're not going to be working in the playoffs, right? Like certain uh, officiating teams will not be working in the playoffs because uh, there's been a decision made by the powers that be, the officials that the people that are, you know, bosses, the officials, essentially, mm-hmm. who, who evaluate these people. Right. You're not going to get a playoff series. Right. You're not going to get to work the Super Bowl. That's kind of the basis of accountability. It's not done in the way that you just described it in which, oh, yeah, you're going to get okay, suspended. So I know. So, so for example, for, so let's just talk about yesterday. Okay. So the game yesterday. Right. They blew the call. It was an obviously blown call of pass interference. By the way, it was a blown call, too, because Travis Kelsey was pushed in the back and it impeded him from making a catch in the end zone that could have tied, that could have, uh, put them two gate, two points away from tying the game. That was also, and by the way, you talked about it again in the first hour. The, they talked to an official on national television who clarified that both of those penalties were in fact penalties and that the officials essentially blew the calls. So okay. that's not really a discussion. So, so I just want to, when it comes to discipline, the NFL handles it just a little bit yeah, differently than so, the way that so, you would describe it. So the way but I, I get what you're saying. So the way I, I get what you're saying. So the way I described it, I am very understanding that that's not the way it works in the NFL. Exactly. That's so, not my point. Well, that's the point. Well, that's the point, point I was making. Okay. I never said what I'm saying is it should be done that way. And I'm saying if it was done that way, we wouldn't see a lot of things like this happening and there'd be more accountability and officials would maybe not be afraid to make the, the right call at the end of a football game. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that there wasn't any intentionality. I don't know that for sure. Well, we don't know. Hold on. Speculation. Pure speculation. I'm not going to sit here and say. The speculation. I'm not going to sit here and say that there wasn't intentionality either. That was so egregious. You have a player 
basically like a monkey jumping on somebody's back, yeah. right? When you see a well, monkey look, jump, look, on... we can overanalyze it all we want. We can, we can, we can go, we can, you know, we can, we can, we can nitpick, and we get it was a bad call. Okay, yeah. it should have been called. It wasn't called. It, it, I, you know, you know in, when you in have... our opinions, we fundamentally. I'm going back to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony Soprano here with from the Sopranos. I'm saying, Brian Shapiro. You and Chris Wynn, we are fundamentally in agreement on this issue, okay? It was two bad okay, so calls, let me finish. okay? Oh, let, me, let me just finish we and say this. We had two bad calls, Let me okay? just finish. So, you know, I remember yes, it was when egregious. I, when yes, I, he was hanging all over. When I, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, when I go to my parents' house and, and my dog jumps on my back, you know, uh, <laughs> it reminded me of that play. He jumps on his back. He basically takes his arm and puts him in almost a headlock for a moment. I mean, and this was at least a second before the ball got no, but, there. But, but, but Brian... Let me point out also, this kind of mistake by officials when it comes to plays like this happens all the time. Why are we talking about it right now, though? It's because it had an impact at the end of the game, and it was a play well, that could have had a direct... No, 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 hear me out. It's a play that could have had a direct impact on the actual well, score, that's, right? That's if it ha- if it, no, let me, let me tell you something, guys, okay? If it happened in the first quarter of the game with the Arizona Cardinals yesterday, right, and it was already 28 to nothing... We would not be talking about this right now. We'd still acknowledge that the officials blew the call, but it doesn't have the same impact. I mean, look, you and I are talking about it on the radio right now, right? On on a sports talk show, essentially, on the second hour of Pushing the Limits, right? It's It's been talked about, I'm sure, all day long on sports radio across America because of the time in the game when it happened and because of the implications of what it had as far as the game is concerned. It had a direct impact. You You can draw almost a straight line, right? Of how much of an impact it had on the game. So that's why we're kind of harping on it. And that's what we're doing. We're kind of, and that's why we're kind of beating this dead horse about, uh, you know, about, oh, he was just draped over me. You're using analogies like the dog, dog jumping on your back at your parents' house and stuff like that. Yes. It was a missed call. Okay. It, things like so, that should not happen at the NFL level. Yeah. At the same time, the can- at the same time, yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs had plenty of opportunities to win this football game and they did yeah. not. I certainly give uh, the Green Bay Packers credit. Love has been phenomenal the last several weeks. With that being said, the Chiefs are not the team they were a month ago. I don't know why. Uh, and I don't think they should certainly be the favorite, uh, to, to win it all this year. I just don't think, I think they've lost a little bit of their, uh, uh, how, how would you how, how would you characterize it? I think they've lost a little bit of their mojo. But anyway, we'll move on now. Um, and we have a Monday night football game here today. The yep. Raiders will be in action next week. This was their bye week. And we'll wait and see how this playoff picture plays out. So I did get an opportunity before I get to UNLV football um, to talk about the Pac-12 championship game here. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get a chance to to go to Allegiant Stadium and watch the game. And I got to tell you, um, Oregon was into the game uh about nine, nine and a half point favorite, some places even 10. Uh, UW knew that they had to win this game to get in. And I thought that um, what I was really impressed with UW is every single time they got punched in the mouth and Oregon seemed like they were coming back, uh, they came they came back with a huge play. Um, it was a fun game. It was That was what a real football crowd should look like for a championship game, not what we saw in the UNLV game. We get that. But anyway, it was a very fun atmosphere half probably UW fans half Oregon fans the crowd was phenomenal mm-hmm. it was great support and listen I understand UNLV is not at the same level as UW or Oregon I get that uh but it was a great college football game it was a great atmosphere it was a very entertaining game it went down to the wire and congratulations to UW now being in the college football final four let's talk a little bit about UNLV football if may Chris you were at the game as was I um going into this game all week last week I wanted UNLV to win. 
but I said on the air that I thought UNLV was going to lose by double digits. Why? Boise State's got the best offensive player in the Mountain West Conference and, and arguably one of the top five offensive players in the country who's going to play on Sundays. He receives, he runs, he does, this kid does about everything, and he was a problem. You have a QB who has a year under his belt, who was very fundamentally sound. He only made one mistake the entire game. I felt eventually, when you have a freshman quarterback in what UNLV has, eventually it has to catch up with him at some point. He has had a phenomenal year. The last few games, he has not been very good. Um, and that was certainly the case over the weekend. Uh, give Boise State a lot of credit. They're a really good football team and very deserving. They're much better than San Jose State. They deserve to be there. Um, UNLV was not good. They weren't good on both sides of the football. Uh, I thought that Boise State played really good fundamental and uh, really good complementary football on both sides. Uh, they had good field position for most of the game. And, you know, Odom made some mistakes as well. He's not perfect. He is the Mountain West Coach of the Year for a reason. He got UNLV to the championship game. But disappointing loss in that, that they weren't really competitive, especially in the second half. They were never in the game. That's what was really disappointing about the loss. And I will also say this. If you don't know, UNLV is playing... Kansas, Moe's Kansas Jayhawks uh, in Arizona, uh, you don't want to lose the last three games of the year. If somehow UNLV can find a way to beat Kansas, man, that would be that would be really mark a great season. I'm not saying if they lose to Kansas, it's not a good season because obviously it is. The last thing I will say, and then you have the floor because I know I'm going on a rant here. Yeah. Um, I've gotten into a lot of arguments and stupid debates on social media, and I don't even know why I do it. With people who claim there were twenty-five to 30,000 UNLV football fans there. Now, I wouldn't even say there was 30,000 people total. Maybe. I know what the announced crowd is, and I know what, what I saw with my own eyes. There were, for the most part, a good amount of Boise State fans on our side. There were more UNLV fans, maybe 60, 40, somewhere around there. The lower bowl wasn't even close to sold out. There were a lot of open seats at almost every section. If the lower bowl is sold out, then yes, you're looking at around 30,000. I would say there are around 20 to 25,000 people in the arena as a whole and maybe 10 to 15,000 UNLV fans. I got arguing with people on social media where they say, oh, what a great UNLV turnout. No, it wasn't. I have been so positive with this football program in Odom. They have done a phenomenal job this year. The fans suck. The fans in this town suck. They only... Jump on a winner like the Vegas Golden Knights. I get it. The Vegas Golden Knights are a great product. Where would the team be right now if the Knights hadn't made the playoffs in year four or year five? That arena wouldn't even be half full. I get it. Vegas wants a winner. Guess what? You got one. UNLV football is finally a winner. They won a lot of games this year. They're going to a ball game. And the turnout for that ball game over the weekend was a disgrace and an embarrassment. I am not going to attack people for not going to a UNLV basketball game. I love Kevin Kruger. They're not a good basketball product. They're just not. They're an average team in the Mountain West Conference. The students should show up. Where were the fans in Vegas over the weekend? It was an embarrassment. I'm tired of it, and I'm tired of these fans making excuses. You should have shown up for 20 bucks. You didn't, and the fan support all year has been a joke. No question, right, Brian? A uh, number of storylines from Saturday that what took place. By the way, a uh, uh, quick comment regarding the Pac-12 championship game. Final Pac-12 championship game in history. So a little, little bit of history there yep. on Friday night with uh, Washington and Oregon going at it. Uh, with respect to UNLV, so... Uh, we don't have to just speculate, Brian. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I were both there. Right. We both have eyes. We both have ears. We can both, uh, you know, uh, give our takes. So I'll just be uh, quite literally look at the numbers. 
The lower bowl uh, at Allegiant Stadium seats between, two, I believe, twenty five and 30,000 fans, okay? The lower bowl was not full, all right? You pointed out there were absolutely pockets in the south end zone that were empty. The pocket in the south end zone was completely empty, uh, you know, from the band all the way to the southwest of the lower bowl. It was completely empty. Correct. Uh, yes, I would say there was more UNLV fans there than there was Boise State fans. But Chris Wynn's assessment of the attendance is this. There was probably between fifteen and 18,000 UNLV fans, and then the rest were Boise State fans. I would suspect that there was between twenty-five and 28,000 fans there for the game. That's my assessment. Uh, we can nitpick and say there was a couple thousand less. If you want to get uh, grandiose about it and say that there was 30,000 in the building, I guess we can do that too, okay? For all intents and purposes, it was between 25 and 30. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed, like you were, and a lot of us there in the media that were watching the game. I thought there would be more UNLV fans there. I thought more people would show up, being that it was the Mountain West Championship game. Right. Vegas hasn't played a football game uh, technically in the postseason, which is the Mountain West Championship game. Kind of is, Correct. I guess. Yep. Because you're leading into the postseason. And so it was a big deal. You're playing against a team in Boise State, which, you know, especially recently, in the last 10 to 15 years, has turned into a quality college football program. And they, 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 they showed up. They had their, their solid allotment of fans yep. that came here. And, uh, and look, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was an atmosphere. Let's put it that way. It was an atmosphere. Um, to the game, right? No question that uh, UNLV has faced a little bit of adversity, right? Here in the last few games. And it's particularly from a defensive standpoint. It's a team defensively that is, you know, that has had issues in the last few games. That's not, I'm not out of bounds or I'm not being controversial by saying that. Uh, even in the post game press conference talking to Jackson Woodard after the game, I posed the question to him. I said, what were the specific things that you guys had to deal with, right? From a defensive standpoint. And the one thing he talked, uh, multiple times about was he and his teammates' ability to wrap up and make tackles, right? These are basic things in football that need to get done, and it was not happening in that football game Mm -hmm. against Boise State. You pointed out some of the stars on their offense. Halani, outstanding running back. Probably is going to play on Sundays. Their quarterback, a young guy, really good. sophomore, yeah. uh, uh, you know, is out there playing like Warren Moon, really, good. and running like a four four forty. He's the kid's like yeah. six four, yeah, maybe six six, very like quick, twenty, and running like a gazelle. He had a great game. Okay, now Boise State looked like the you know two thousand fourteen Boise State. Those right. teams that were going to Keller Moore, big time, yeah, big time <laughs> bowl games though, Brian, yeah. right? Going to Fiesta Bowls and right. going to the bowl games the that Vegas matter. Ball. And they yeah. they they. Uh-huh. uh they looked very much that yep. on Saturday. Um, this is not disparaging to UNLV. UNLV had a great season. They did. Uh, you got to love what Jade Maeva has been able to do at the quarterback position, right? To come in as a freshman and be able to to to, to uh, grab a hold of the reins as the leader of that team, right? I talked about Jackson Woodard from the defensive side. Ricky White, obviously outstanding wide receiver. He's going to be playing on Sundays too, I think. Uh, had a great year. And uh, a little bit of strange uh, interaction too in the post game press conference. We had we had a person who uh, was apparently a member of the media, but it was it was very fanboyish though. Brian in the in the post game press conference, he was he was lauding Ricky White with uh, waxing poetic on Ricky, Ricky White's season. Yeah, but I digress. Back to the game. Offensively, as you pointed out, they, they they were just up against it right from the start. Right, I mean they were able to kind of get back and forth seven seven game early. And then Boise State just laid the hammer down mm-hmm. from an offensive standpoint, and UNLV defensively just wasn't ready to play. I'm sorry. I'm calling it like I see it. I don't think defensively they're ready to play. And it was evident because Boise State went out there and put a 40-plus 40, 40 point spot on them and won that football game. 
You pointed out correctly also, second half, UNLV was never in the game. It wasn't really a situation where UNLV, oh yeah, you can feel them coming back in this game. So moving, but, but again, I digress. It's been, a, it's been a, a successful season for UNLV without question. The best record in a long time. They actually are definitely have some relevance now in the Mountain West. And now you get an opportunity in a bowl game to play against a Big 12 team in the Kansas Jayhawks, which will be really cool to see in Arizona coming up, uh, you know, right around Christmas time. Yeah. Um, a little too early yet to say as far as analyzing the game. Kansas is a team that's got a good offense. Uh, so that's going to be, that's going to be problematic for UNLV from a defensive standpoint, as I just pointed out all the reasons why it could be an issue. Right. Uh, and I would expect that Kansas, I haven't actually seen the line yet, but I expect the Jayhawks to be a, to be a short favorite in this game. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, well, you'd be going we'll to see the what game. happens. I think that's the plan right now. The is plan the is plan? Gonna head, gonna head, on, head on over to Arizona. How long? Go, little, How long little is the chase drive? field action? <laughs> About five hours. Yeah, where the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks play is where they're yeah. playing this game. So. I think it would be a fun trip, and, uh, and yeah. I would like to go out there and watch the game. Uh, I know that the uh, Vegas Bowl, uh, they just announced those teams, and that's a, and you, the Utes are coming out here, and that's a day yes. uh, after Christmas. So that's, that's gonna, the uh, Las Vegas Bowl. Yeah. yeah, so that's going to be a fun game as well. Uh, so so to, to cap it off, right, Brian, positive season for UNLV. No question about oh, it. Sure. Even if they don't win the game against Kansas, it's a positive Even step if, forward. That's obvious, yeah. And uh, I, me, I mean, just looking long term, I just hope they can keep Barry Odom here, right? Yeah. For When I talk about, um, you know. I've heard rumors. For that a couple of seasons. His son is yeah. still in high school. I've tough. heard rumors that his son's going to be playing here. I don't know if that's true or not. What I do know is that uh, Barry Odom's done a phenomenal job. You don't want to lose three in a row. If there's a way that they can find a way to beat Kansas, mm-hmm. boy, that would cap off a great year. You don't want to lose your last three. And listen, they lost to two good football teams. San Jose State is a good football team. They're a bowl team. They almost made it to the championship. We know how good Boise is. Uh, Kansas is also a good football team. Yeah. But UNLV has earned the right to play in this game. They have one Absolutely. more game to prove yeah. themselves. So I yeah. would like to think. And I've looked and I've studied a little bit of this Kansas football team. They, you're right. They're very good offensively, and they're a yeah. good football team. They won a lot of games this year. Something tells me that UNLV is going to find a way to win this football game. We're going to have to wait and see what happens here. Odom's a really good coach. These kids got two weeks to prepare. Give a good yeah. coach two weeks to prepare. And listen, Kansas is a well-coached team, too. I'm not saying otherwise. But I, I my gut feeling tells me that UNLV is going to win this game. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. All right. Let's switch topics here. We've talked a little NFL. We've talked some college football. Um, let's talk a little hoops because I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Um, I don't usually get very excited with the NBA regular season. In fact, the only time I'm ever watching NBA regular season is when Chris puts on a game and he's got some $20 parlay working. Otherwise, I'm not even I'm rooting for his parlay to win. Or wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. It's not just C win that's got coin on these games. The only the only other reason also that you watch regular season NBA Brian Shapiro is because you yourself also. All right, well, I'll give you some well news. Too. I haven't yeah. bet on one. Not, this N- isn't some secret. You know, I'm going to give you some news. I'm not afraid. I haven't bet on no. one NBA game all year. Um, okay, well, not yeah. to this point. Well, then, but anyway, anyway, well, then the only reason you would watch NBA is probably because you want to see some player, or you want, or maybe your Celtics yeah, are on. It's rare. Yeah, otherwise, it's otherwise rare. you're not. But watching for those of you, unless you're living under a rock. And I don't know if Seawin knew this, but we do have something called the NBA in-season basketball tournament. I do need, I, of course. Well, it's I funny because I'm aware of it. Yes. I'm not going to say which show I was listening to, even though I should. But I'm listening to a show over the weekend, a sports local sports talk show, and there's a female that's on the show. I'm not going to say who. They're talking sports, and one of the guests is talking about the in-season tournament. Doesn't say NBA, in-season tournament. Right. And one of the hosts says. What sport are you talking about? 
Now I laughed, I chuckled. That's and funny. Then, and then I said that person should not be on the air in Las Vegas. Um, she made herself sound like a complete buffoon. But at the same time, this is a big deal, even if you're not an NBA basketball fan. The reason why this is a big deal is for a number of different reasons. First of all, of course, the obvious of us getting an NBA team here. This is just the next step. That's number one. Number two, this is the first year that they've done this. I think yeah. it's a smash hit for a number of different reasons. And we haven't had the actual tournament here yet. They're in the quarterfinals today. We'll get to that. I want to preview. So there's going to be three games right. here, right, in Vegas, right? Three games. Yeah, you got the it's two. It's going to be the two semifinal games right. and then the final right. game. And we'll right. get to that. Yeah, and I want to break it down with you, the okay. quarterfinal games and all that. But the reason why this is really good is because, we're, you know, we're trying to get an NBA team here, which we will. Um, and the other reason is it brings a little more interest to the NBA. These guys are playing hard. I've watched these courts look kind of cool. Some of them might say a little distracting. These guys are playing hard. These are really good basketball games. They, they feel like playoff yeah. basketball games. I have watched these tournament games, and I'll be watching my Celtics on the road against the Pacers today, hoping they win so I could watch Boston uh, come to Las Vegas. But, by the way, I don't think the Celtics have ever played a game here, preseason or otherwise. But um, it's good because these, ki- these kids, these adults, they're playing hard. They're playing to win because they are competitive. Uh, the million dollars aside, listen, the coaching staff gets a million dollars. Five hundred K each. Yeah. Each player. I, and I believe everybody I was, that's on the team. Are you sure I thought it was a million dollars? I was five hundred grand, isn't it? I think. Is each, it five? Each, okay. It's five hundred thousand. I thought it was a million. Which is which is motivation. Yeah. Right. And well, especially especially for the guys that are nine to twelve on the bench. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're gonna be cheering Not, very look, LeBron James, five hundred grand. The coaches, the coaches yeah. are getting paid also. Yeah. So that's a lot of money for them. So yeah, this is going to feel like, and the practices, by the way, are on Wednesday. I might take the day off Wednesday to go to the practices. I believe the players are going to feel like it's going to have the feel of a playoff game. And it's a single elimination game. Um, And it's in Vegas. And the world is watching. You know, all basketball fans are watching. Uh, So let's preview some of these games. Let's start with my Boston Celtics. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me respond to the comments you just made because Mm -hmm. you talked about it. You called it, you quote unquote, it's a big deal. Okay. It is a big deal because of what you said, because it's the first one, okay? There's a lot of NBA fans out there. Now, you're a Boston Celtic fan, right? Your team's right there in the mix. Mm -hmm. Your team is probably going to be one of the four teams that ends up here in Vegas. There he goes again, just jinxing me. My point being is this. There's also fans like your your guy that's in here on the air with you right now, C. Wynn, whose team has lost 17 straight games. I'm talking about my Detroit Pistons. We're going to be nowhere near this thing. So there's a lot of fans that are kind of, uh, you know, hit or miss on this. We're not like, it's not, it's kind of, uh, I mean, we're intrigued because we're like, oh, it's a different kind of way to have things play out during the NBA regular season. But there isn't this consensus out there, Brian, that this is some, oh, it's a big deal for everybody. And it's a, it is a, look, there's no question about it, that it, it is and there's an element of this that is interesting because the player and because the, the players will care because you're going to get you're going to get a half a million dollars each if they win this thing. So that's motivation right there alone. But I still I think people are, again, hit or miss on what this is going to how this is going to impact the NBA regular season. And then, of course, more importantly, the postseason later on down the line where you can make the argument that that's the real season, right? That's what really matters is getting to the NBA postseason and then, of course, winning an NBA championship. 
still, uh, you know, this isn't the NBA Finals, and I would never say that, well, not- but it's still going to have the feel of a playoff game because this game actually means something. Most regular season games don't mean anything. Uh, these games actually do mean okay. something. It's Vegas. All right, so... Uh, two games tonight, two games tomorrow. The games tonight, let's start with the Boston Celtics on the road against the Indiana Pacers. The Celtics are favored by five. I am a little worried about this game. If you had to tell me, I would say that the Celtics win. Um, in fact, I think the Celtics win the whole thing. But uh, I'm a little worried about this game because it's on the road, and the Indiana Pacers are a really good, really good basketball team, and that's why it's on the road. Celtics favored by five. I wouldn't really touch that. I do think that the over-under is just <laughs> absurd. 246 and a half. Uh, the Indiana Pacers can score lights out. So can the Celtics. So I, I like the under in this game though. I don't think, uh, they get that high. This is going to have a, the feeling, as I said, of a playoff game. There's going to be some defense being played, but how do you see this one shaking? Yeah, a couple of key points, right, Brian? Uh, you look at this matchup and you look at the Indiana Pacers. This is one of those teams that's kind of surprised some people. There's nobody talking about the Indiana Pacers before the season started, but they do have some good young pieces, obviously being, Ty, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is, is the main piece who has been absolutely unbelievable this year. Uh, they're talking about him along the same lines of a Shea Gilchrist Alexander, that type of impact player in Indiana. And the Pacers haven't really been good or relevant since the mid-2000s. Okay, so that's a good thing for the NBA when the Pacers are relevant in the Eastern Conference. Sure, so sure. it's going to make it interesting. Obviously, we've seen it's been a, uh, I'm not going to say it's been, uh, you know, uh, uh, seamless and they've had no issues whatsoever, but you love the combination of, of Holiday and, and Jason Tatum and Porzingis and those pieces in Boston with sure. Jalen Brown as well, yeah. too. So you it like is, the Celtics. This Boston well. Celtics right now, from a talent standpoint, yep. from a talent standpoint, are the team in the NBA, in no my question. opinion. I think, and I hate saying that because yep. I'm a Pistons fan. I think they're going to win the whole I thing. But I have to say it. I think they're going to so win the whole thing. It, it, sets up, it sets up a very interesting matchup between the sure. between Boston and Indiana. In the so game. so it should be a good one today. It starts yeah, I think in a, so. starts yeah. in a couple hours. Win, though. starts in a couple Celtics. hours, Chris. I yes. agree. Uh, I don't even have to knock on wood. The other that. game, yeah, that, that's not what I, I wanted to hear. That out uh, the Pelicans are on the road against a very good young Sacramento Kings team. The Pelicans certainly are capable of winning this game. Spreads three and a half. I, I just feel like the Kings and their fans have been waiting for this for a long time since the days of Vladi Divac and Chris Weber and, and, and Mike Bibby. Uh, they have a really good basketball team and they have a team that I think will defeat the Pelicans, even though the Pelicans are really good. Also, they've had a good month and a half of the season. So mm-hmm. I think coming out of these two games, Celtics, Sacramento, now let's go to a very interesting matchup. And I, and not to name drop, but I know my friend Vivek A. Fox, uh, wants the Lakers to win this game. Um, uh, the Lakers are at home, that's key, against a banged-up Phoenix Suns team. The spread's only one and a half. Um, I feel like, and I could be wrong, LeBron has a little extra motivation in this one because he loves Vegas so much. I mean, he can come to Vegas anytime he wants, but yeah. I think he, he loves this city. He wants to come out here, and I think you're going to have a big showing from LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think they get past the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, that, that's a fair assessment. No question about it. Uh, look, Vegas is a Laker town. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. And so the NBA would like nothing better than having the Los Angeles Lakers here in town playing in this tournament. I'm not uh, alluding to any shadiness or any, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, toss out some theory I have out there, a conspiracy by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, yes, the NBA would love it if the Lakers were to be able to be victorious and end up here in Vegas. So, uh, yeah, that looks to be the case. Um, you talked about the Sacramento Kings. Look, the Kings, another team, uh, obviously with, uh, when you're talking about, uh, uh, Fox, who is, uh, another great young player. Uh, and you pointed out those teams back in the mid 2000s with the Sacramento Kings. 
that were that were a lot of fun to watch with those matchups with the Lakers in the postseason. Uh, it is great for the NBA as well too to see that uh, Sacramento's in the mix. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, the Phoenix Suns going to have uh, it, it, they're going to be really up against it in this matchup against the Lakers. Another interesting matchup on the road is the New York Knicks. They're facing the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks have had a really good few, first few months of the season. Um, I like the Bucks in this one. I think the Knicks, just to get to this point, have done a really good job. Listen, you got to give Coach Thibodeau a lot of credit. I, I and 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 a lot of fans have said the best Knicks coach they've had in twenty years since Jeff Van Gundy. Thibodeau is a defensive-minded coach. He's a good basketball coach, and this New York Knicks team is playing at a high level. I don't think they're good enough to beat the Milwaukee Bucks on the road in this game. The spread is five. So what I like, and, and we'll see what happens here. I like the Celtics playing the Milwaukee Bucks in Vegas in the Eastern Conference final game here. And I think it's going to be Kings-Lakers. And I think when it's all said and done, the league is going to get what they want. And again, I could be wrong on this. I think it's going to be, and it'll be very highly rated, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics in the finals of this midseason tournament in Vegas. At least that's what I'm hoping for. And I think that's what's going to happen. What do you say? So, Brian, this leads me to my point on the in-season tournament, why this is a big deal mm-hmm. for the NBA. It's because, and I'm going to be Captain Obvious here, guys, and bring up why. Because you have teams that are at the top of the league that are going to be playing in these key games in Vegas, mm-hmm. right? In these semifinals and in the finals, you're going to have teams that will be vying for an NBA championship later yeah. on down the line come postseason time. So that is a big deal. Obviously... Obviously, obviously, if you had a situation in which you had some middle-of-the-road teams or teams that were not so good that just happened to find lightning in a bottle and end up playing in the playing in the semifinals here in Vegas, it wouldn't be as instrumental for the NBA, is the way I'll put it, when it comes to that. Yeah. So that's a big so that is an important thing and a big deal for the NBA that you're gonna get the marquee teams sure. in the league yep. with the marquee stars. Well obviously when I'm talking about sure. the likes of Jason Tatum, LeBron right. James, and beyond, you know, and Giannis Antetokounmpo coming here to Vegas, that makes it super interesting. Yeah, I uh, I, I I will say this. Um, I wish we could replace one of these teams with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they didn't, they didn't win yeah. enough games in the first few months here and they didn't win enough games in the tournament. Um, but to me, Jokic is still the goat and I really would have liked to have watched him play in person. Uh, I have never you think been. Jokic is the goat right now yeah, in the I NBA. Do. I do. He does everything. He's, well, he, what's yeah. interesting about that point you're making, Brian, is this. So, I mean, you, you think about the Denver Nuggets, right, guys? I mean, they're kind of, yeah, Jokic without question. I think he's a top three player in the NBA, but like, He's a star, but don't you get the feeling that the Nuggets just kind of, they, they aren't sexy. You know what I mean? Like, you don't think about the Nuggets like you think about, even, you, you brought the New York Knicks, right? Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of NBA fans that, that would rather well, watch the Knicks play than watch, you know, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets do their thing. You might be right I'm not on saying that. the Nuggets aren't great. They're not a great team. They're yeah. defending NBA well, champs. Listen, I, I defend you but, in that aspect yeah. when I hear from all these female bartenders across Las Vegas <laughs> and you're sitting at these bars playing caveman Kino and I yeah. don't think they appreciate your sexiness. So I do understand where you're going with that. Yeah. Listen, I get what you're saying. It's better for the Vegas market. It's better for the NBA yeah. when the Lakers and the Celtics are there. But I will say this. Denver gets it done, man. Mm-hmm. They've got, in my opinion, the most valuable player in the league in Jokic. Uh, they've got Murray and, and great pieces, and Malone is a phenomenal head coach. He's doing done a great job with Denver. Uh, yes, I do think Jokic is is you can't defend him. 
Um, with that being said, we have some very important NBA games this afternoon. We are also going to the Vegas Golden Knights game tonight. Yeah, we watching are. the yeah. St. Louis Blues. So we're going to be watching some NBA action on our laptops. While we're watching some live NHL action, you can't beat it. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. Uh, the so 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues in town, gentlemen, yes. to uh, take on the uh, Golden Knights. And then they're going to have it. It's a home and homer. So they're going to be playing here, and then yeah. they're heading to uh, Missouri, the show-me state, to play the Blues I would on Wednesday night. I would love to see Grant Fuhrer in net, and I'd love to see a guy like a Brendan Shanahan out there facing Brett off. Brett Hall, the sniper. Yeah, let's see Brett Hall out there. A little Bernie for Durko yeah. action. But, uh, the Blues Go back are... to your Hartford Whaler days, right? When, yeah. You know, when the Talk Blues to... are rolling into the mall. In Hartford, in Hartford, Connecticut, baby. Also, thanks to my friend Jim Gemma for getting me tickets to this Winter Wonderland extravaganza. I saw the pics. Over, Put it up on uh, social media. Over at it. Las Vegas Ballpark. It's beautiful out there. Uh, and I met Tim Neverett, who uh, who uh, broadcast the games for the Aviators. Super nice dude. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun doing that. So thanks for Jim for that. Tomorrow, we're going to have a Democrat running for president joining us. Uh, yes, she's... Wait a minute, time out. So she's a Democrat, but she's anti-abortion choice. She's, Notice I didn't say the, pro, other, the other yeah, phrase. I said anti-abortion she's choice. pro-life, so I don't know if we'll get into as a spirited debate as the <laughs> QAnon shaman. That was an interesting interview, but... Uh, and then we have, of course, the Mooch on Friday. Uh, always a pleasure having the uh, sexy caveman keynote player Chris Wynn joining us in studio as he does every Monday. And now I owe Chris some lunch. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Appreciate it. Have a great day.